Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Uh, week one, the message was called Into the Cloud, and uh, this is where he talked about the power of a vision. He talked about how it's important to have vision for your life and not just, uh, just directed by your own self and own feelings, but a God-given vision and the importance of that. And so the declaration that we made that, that day was, uh, this is the year that I get closer to God. He, this is the day that, this, this is the year that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go closer to him and we're going to go up into the cloud. We're going to go up the mountain. And, and that was a, a powerful message in itself uh, that it wasn't just that God saved us for salvation, but he saved us for relationship. And so he followed up week two with into the unknown. And this is the year we made the declaration that I take more risk because sometimes following God can be a little scary. It can be a little, it's, it's not going to always be uh, it's extremely just easy, but sometimes we will have to step into some unknown places and we'll have to exchange our, our certainty for clarity. And, uh, and if you had a chance to watch that sermon or be here, that was also the sermon where Pastor JJ sang the song, Let It Go. And uh, it, was, it was an amazing moment in our lives that we will never forget. And so um, he'll use anything. He's the king of illustrations, right? And so he'll use anything. And uh, it, was, it was amazing. It was so encouraging. Week three, last Sunday, we had from the crowd to the cloud. The declaration was, this is the year I leave some things behind. Where he talked about, hey, sometimes it makes sense to follow the crowd for certain things, but then there's other moments in our lives where following the crowd is not the best thing for us, and sometimes we need to separate from the, from the crowd and, and to, to do what God has called us to do, and so talked about holiness, not being about being, not about being perfection, but it's about a pursuit of us getting closer to God, but today, I've said all that to say that today we're going to close out our series, and, and if you missed any of them, I want to encourage you to go back to them, or if you want to just go back through them in general, I think every time we go into God's word, God God speaks and it, and it can be, I don't know if it's ever happened to you or maybe you've watched the same movie multiple times, but you see something different in this time than, than, than the first time. And was that there the entire time? And yeah, it was, but you didn't see it. And, and I think sometimes it's like that with the things of God. Sometimes we, we, it's good to go back to certain scriptures and go back to certain messages or certain songs because there are some things sometimes there that will reveal itself in, in, uh, in, in certain times. But Today, we want to close out this current sermon series, Into the Cloud, by pointing your attention to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 Kings, chapter 18, and we're going to be reading from 41 to all the way to 45. And if you don't have your Bible, no worries. We have the scriptures up behind me on the screen. You can just follow along right there where you're at. 1 Kings, chapter 18. We're going to start reading with verse 41, and it says the following, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink. Uh, that, that phrase like, just kind of popped out to me, especially like after a 21-day fast. Did anyone just feel like something in your spirit when you read that? Am I the only one who made reservations? No? Okay. Um, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. 
Now, I'm going to stop right there to kind of just give you a little bit of, of context here on who Elijah is. Elijah was an individual that the Lord used to perform multiple miracles. Uh, there was one instance in particular where uh, he, he was battling some false prophets. And so they, they, uh, they did a challenge, a sacrificial challenge. And they said, hey, we're going to build two altars. And you're going to call out to your God. And I'm going to call out to my God. And the God that responds, that'll be the one that we know is the one true God. And so it's crazy. And so they're on a mountain and they build an altar and they put everything there and the false prophets start going first and they're like yelling and screaming and chanting and cutting themselves and doing all these things and nothing, nothing ever happens. And so then Elijah says, okay, it's my turn. And then he goes there and he calls down fire from heaven and God responds in a powerful way and it's just incredible, fire from heaven. And then Elijah also was used by God one time by bringing a drought. Uh, God told him, hey, tell everybody that there's, it's not going to rain anymore because, uh, because they, they, I'm, I'm telling it to stop. And so Elijah said, hey, it's going to stop raining. And it stopped. For three years, it stopped. And then here in a little bit, we're going to read that, or we just read actually, that says, hey, I hear that, that rain's coming. And so the same person who stopped it now is starting it again. And uh, it's just, there's miracles that, that were, were just crazy, like how God used his life. But uh, in this particular moment, he's giving directions to Ahab. Ahab is a king. And so let's pick it up again on verse 42. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of, of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Uh, sidebar, Carmel, when I was growing up, I had a chance to grow up in church. I don't know. I think I misread this or somebody taught it to me wrong. But for the longest time, I thought it was Mount Carmel. I thought it was like caramel, like candy, chocolate, right? And so I would always say it wrong. Uh, and so if I say it wrong, please excuse me. All right. 43, go up and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and he looked there is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. Somebody say seven times. Seven go back. Verse 44, the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. In other words, it's, a, it's about to pour. You better hurry up because I know it hasn't rained in a long time, but it's about to pour. And verse 45 says, meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode, rode off to Jezreel. Today, for the next few moments in conclusion of our Into the Cloud series, I, I want to I title this message. You, you're not going to understand it right now, but I'm just going to ask you to, to trust me here a little bit and, uh, and, and actually even say it to your neighbor so that we, we can get a little participation here in the audience. But my title for today's message is Don't Stop at Six. Look at your neighbor and tell them, Don't Stop at Six. Don't Stop at Six. I was, I was running through my notes with my, my daughter, and she's like, six o'clock? I'm like, no, no, you, you need to listen to the message, all right? And so I'm not talking about six o'clock, all right? We're, we're going we're gonna to get you here where we need you here in just a few moments. But I, I wonder here if there's anybody who's, who's ever felt like giving up. And any real people in this place? Okay, cool. I know it's cold, but if you can just get your hand out for like three seconds real quick. I, there you go. Don't worry, I got you. I, I, myself included, I have many times felt like 
quitting, throwing in the towel, just changing, getting up, leaving, going, quitting. Uh, not only just, I mean, really in so many areas of my life, um, I wonder how even your goals are doing. <laughs> you know, this year, you know, it's been an interesting year and uh, nonetheless, it's already one month in and I don't know where your goals are at, but have you quit on any of those? Uh, don't answer out loud. Um, but I've, I felt like, like quitting and, and it's crazy because this year just started. And already, so some stuff that's, that's been happening that have at times made me think like, how much longer is this year going to last? And what, what am I going to do? And how am I going to get out of this one? And uh, it's, what's even crazier is that we just finished 21 days of prayer and fasting. Like this is the time where like I'm supposed to be closest to the Lord and I'm supposed to be like, it's a, I'm supposed to cry every song, you know, like this is, this is the season, right? But it doesn't always work out like that. I want to just kind of fill you in. I've had an interesting past month. Um, I guess I'll start with my vehicle. Uh, I guess my car heard that we were in the series called Into the Cloud. And so uh, every time I would turn on my car, a huge puff of white smoke would come out from the back of the car. And everybody, like, it was embarrassing. I mean, also something was happening in the engine, right? But, like, it was also embarrassing. Like, everybody knew when I was leaving, right? It was just, like, a sacrifice unto the Lord, you know? Like, kind of like LeBron James, right? Like, I don't know. It was just, like, it was just, it was crazy. And I'm like, I don't know a lot about cars, but I don't think that's normal. And so we went to the dealership where we got it from, and it took, like, three times for that. They would take it. They would give it back. It was fixed. And then it would, it would still do it or the check engine light. And, well, $4,000 later, it was fixed. But we were not expecting that. And then, uh, you know, our immediate family, had no one in our immediate family had tested positive uh, for COVID this whole entire time until three weeks ago. And my wife did. And it was so, and it hit her really hard. It was really bad and something that even, I mean, that's bad enough, but then you may or may not know this, but we're also uh, in between homes right now. Back in November, we decided to put our house for sale and we were a little naive. I, we, I guess we didn't pay attention or something happened or maybe it's favor. I don't know. But um, nonetheless, the house sold extremely quickly, like in 24 hours. And um, I had just finished telling my daughter, like, hey, we're going to put the house on the market, but no worry, we're going to give you stability, and you're going to finish this school year here, and all this stuff. And then, like, the next day, we're like, so we kind of did something, right? Like, and, um, and we had to pack up, and we had to start, we, we had, like, a week and a half to, like, get up and go, and, well, but our, our other house wasn't going to be ready yet. And so where do we go? And so we had some family friends of ours who said, hey, you guys can come in and be, uh, you, we have some rooms here. And so we moved in there, but, but then COVID came and we're like, well, we can't stay here. We don't want to get anybody else sick. And so we went and we rented an Airbnb, like some secluded place. I felt like on a mountain and, and it was, it was just all alone. And, and it was tough to see my wife just be sick. Thankfully now she's a lot better, but, but it was tough. And then after a week, um, she was doing better, and but we were like, you know what? Let's just go. This should be super cautious, and let's not go back to the home quite yet. We're gonna we're gonna stay uh, somewhere else. And so we somebody let us borrow an RV, and, and I don't know if you've ever lived in an RV. Like it's one thing to go on a trip; yeah. it's another thing to live in an RV, you know. And so um, we lived in an RV for a couple for for some time, and it's just like you know, I love my kids, 
but there's not a lot of space in an RV. You know, like there's, there's not, a lot of, not a lot of space in the RV. And so, um, so you know, that, thankfully now we're back in the house, but it was, oh, and then my laptop. Like, I know I'm working on the message. Like, you know, I have, I have weeks to get ready, but all of a sudden my, my laptop, I kid you not, this has never happened to me with any other laptop I've had, but, but the, the screen said, uh, like, get new battery now, and then it went black and it never turned on again. <laughs> What's up with that? You know, like, um, and, and it wasn't just the charger. It was like the whole battery inside. Like, I'm a little tech savvy. Like, I can... I can dabble. You know, I don't know what that means, but I, I, I can do a little bit, right? But um, so I said, you know what? I'm going to save some money. And instead of taking it, in, it's probably going to be faster. I'm going to get it myself. I ordered a battery and uh, had it shipped and, and I opened up my laptop and this is what I saw. Now, those six little black boxes there, that's all one battery. All right. And they're, they're stuck with adhesive. There's a whole process. And I immediately felt I am way, I mean, I am in this way over my head. Like there's no way I can do this. But then I remembered that I have somebody with me. YouTube. <laughs> so I went to YouTube and I typed it and I looked it up. And sure enough, somebody else had had the same issue three years before. And I was like, thank you, God, that it happened to them. And, um, you know, now they get to teach me and I was able to fix it. But it was crazy because even the whole sermon prep time was like even different. Honestly, I can't even remember the last time I, I, all I had was like pen and paper to write like my notes. Usually it's a computer and doing research and all that stuff. Like here are my notes uh, for this message. I just started. I just had cloud sermon. I didn't even have a title. <laughs> I didn't know which passage. I, like usually I have tabs and I have, all I had is lines. Those are a little silly, but I will kind of switch gears here a little bit seriously. Then I get a call on a Thursday. And it's from my dad who lives in Texas. And he's like, hey, we're about to take your mom to the hospital. She's not doing so well. And then Thursday, uh, Friday morning, that happened Thursday night, Friday morning, just having to have emergency surgery. Thankfully, she's better now. But in the moment, like all these thoughts are just going through your head. You know, she's getting older and her health and, and I want to go, but, but uh, yeah, I have responsibilities and I got to do certain things. And then, and then to top it off, this is the last one. I'm going to say this and then we'll, we'll get more spiritual. I promise you. <laughs> this is just real therapeutic for me right now. So I'm going to save a lot of money, not going to counseling this week. Um, <clears throat> if that wasn't enough, I kid you not, I'm not making this up. So one of the days that I went to go get breakfast for my wife who was not feeling well, uh, I order the food and then uh, it's time to wait. But I'm like, well, what do I do while I wait? And then I'm like, oh man, I think I need to use the restroom. <clears throat> and so I went to the restroom and the way their this particular restaurant setup was set up was, you know, there's women, men, that's typical, right? But the, it was just like, it's one person at a time. So just one person, there's like not multiple people, just one person at a time. I go in there uh, and I promise you, I closed the door and I locked it. I promise you. I was in there and I was using the restroom, like using, using the restroom. I'm not going to get weird, but just using the restroom. All of a sudden, it happened so fast. I hear the doorknob turn and the door bust open. Some guy either had to go really, really bad or is really, really strong. Nonetheless, he walked into where I was using the facilities. And I kid you not, time froze at that moment. And the first thought I had was not get out. I promise you it wasn't get out. It was, 
I hope he doesn't go to journey. If you're here today, and if that was you, I don't want to say hi to you, okay? I don't know who you were. Don't, don't say hi to me. I don't know who that was. Like, this was the year I'm supposed to go into the cloud, and I have a lot of things I'm trying to manage here, God. I'm in an RV, repairing a laptop, just got walked into, and my mom's not doing too well. And it's just so crazy because I think if we're not careful, like that could be, honestly, a lot of us can relate to that where, hey, there's something we declared for the year. There's something that we, 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 wanna, we wanna see happen in our lives. There's a goal we wanna see accomplished. There's a dream we wanna reach with our families. But, but the meantime, the stuff, the time in between, the beginning we got, and we know, that we know how it ends. We know we're gonna get it. The Bible says that the, the servant said, hey, I see a cloud and the rain falls. We know that, we read it now. But what do you do when you're in the middle? Today, I want to encourage you, if you've ever felt like giving up, you've ever felt like seven times was just too much for you, I think God really allowed me to get this message to give to you, to encourage you today, encourage somebody who's ready to throw in the towel to say, hey, it's not time to throw in the towel yet. Don't stop at six. Seven's right around the corner, and I honestly believe that sometimes if we could only visualize it, I feel like we would understand the Bible just a little bit better. If it was up to me in a perfect world, I would buy airplanes for everybody. We would get on planes right now. We would go to a mountain and I would preach from there and you would be able to see it. It would, it would, be, it would be a day you never forget. But one, I don't have that kind of money. And two, we only have 21 minutes left. So what we're going to do, we're going to do second best. We're going to illustrate it. And so we don't have a mountain here, but we do have a second floor. And so I'm going to invite my good friend Sam to come up here. Let's give it up for Sam. One of our amazing youth leaders for Journey Youth. Let's give it up for Journey Youth. That's a lot of passion there. Um, so the Bible says that Elijah, oh, I'm going to be acting as Elijah. He hears that sound is, he hears a sound of rain. He receives a promise. Again, the same guy who stopped it is now about to kick it off again. And he hears that rain's coming. He, he can hear it. But Somebody that we really don't talk a lot about is, is this guy right here, is the servant. Because the Bible doesn't say that it was Elijah who went up the mountain. It was the servant. He's receiving instruction. So this is Sam, the servant, and I'm Elijah, and I'm just like, hey, man, uh, I hear rain's coming, and so I'm pumped up. It's excited. Revival. I can hear it. Into the cloud. I got this. Um, go see it. Go, go tell me what you see. And the Bible says that, that, that he goes. He begins his journey up the mountain. And I can imagine that Elijah's just there, you know, he's waiting for his servant to come back and he's like pumped up, like, hey, this is my year. Like, I have a word, I have a promise. Man, I was reading my Bible and God just, I don't know, he deposited something and it was so good. And man, I've just, I don't know, the 21 days of prayer, I was, in the, I was watching online or I was here in this place and God was, oh, he's coming back, he's coming back. Hey, um, what, do you, what do you see? Tell me. There's nothing. The Bible says that servant replies, hey, there's, there's nothing. Uh, I went up there, nada, nothing. Um, in my Bible, at least, it says that the instructions were Go back, go back, sorry dude, go back. 
All right, you know what, second time. Second time's a, you know, a, a charm ride, Mino maybe. Maybe he, maybe he didn't go all the way he was supposed to. And so, you know, Elijah's staying back and he's, the Bible says he's praying and his, 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 he's, he's bowed down before the Lord and, and he's receiving direction, he's re- receiving confirmation and, and I can hear it and, 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 and it's almost here and, and it's coming and servant, I might need you to step it up just a little bit more. And, um, and, and finally, uh, the servant comes back and, and, and all right, I'm pumped up. I've been in prayer. I did what I was supposed to do. I know what I'm hearing, but tell me what you see. There's nothing. 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 Okay. There's nothing, guys. The Bible says that it, this happened. He went up there seven times. Do you think it's going to be a lot to ask if, uh, it's not me, it's the word of God, bro, so you can't really say no, like, no, it's okay, you can take a seat. That's too much for steps for anybody. Um, What do you do when what you heard doesn't look like what you see? What do you do when, when you've received a promise, but you know what, it doesn't look like what I'm, what's in front of me, and I wrote down a couple of reasons why I think sometimes we do stop on six, although the messages don't stop on six, but I want to encourage you today that maybe you may be feeling some of these reasons, some of these symptoms, and I want to encourage you to not. I think sometimes the reason sometimes why we stop is because we don't see any progress. I can imagine the servant as he went back and forth, back and forth, the first times, hey, nothing's changing. Have you ever, have you ever told the Lord that? Hey, I'm praying, but nothing's changing. Hey, I'm going to church, nothing's changing. What if, what if I'm reminded of, of a seed that oftentimes, or, or, or when it's planted, it grows down first before it actually grows up. I wonder if maybe God's more interested in changing you than he is your circumstance. Maybe it's not so much what you can see on the outside, but maybe when you take a look on the inside, hey, you know what, my environment may not be changing, but I am. Yeah, that's good. It would be easy. It would be amazing if, 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 if progress was obvious. If I could see the results of all my hard work. This is why, one of the main reasons, just to be honest with you, why I hate working out. That's the most amens I've got all day, all right? Um, it would be amazing is if right after I finished working out, or maybe even in the process, just one ab pops out. Like, I'll take one at a time, God. But that would be motivation enough to be like, nah, you're headed in the right direction, Joey. Like, yeah, you got this. You just do it again. Go back, right? Um, but it doesn't work like that. What do you do with what, when, when what you see in front of you doesn't look like what, what God said? I think a question we've got to ask ourselves is, are you willing to keep walking even when it doesn't seem to be working? He kept walking up and down the mountain. He would go up and, all right, and we read it fast sometimes because, oh, you know, from one verse to the next. But we don't know exactly how much time that took. That could have taken a really long time. What if God was more interested in, again, doing something in us than through us? And and if we're not careful, you know, we'll just begin to trust what we see. But how many people know we can't just trust what we see? Like things, things can get blurry. Things can get, things can get, uh, uh, you know, mistaken. I, there was one time 
When my wife and I were dating, we were living in Gainesville, Florida. We were both attending and serving at the same church. True story, we, this church had like five buildings and we just so happened, both of us, we, we exit our own buildings and now we're walking in the hallway, the same hallway in the same direction. And so the moment that we come out uh, and we start walking to where we have to go, she, she doesn't see me, but I see her. Uh, she's, imagine she's over there, I'm over here. And I see her, I recognize her, and she's my girlfriend, I love her, and she's attractive, and I wanna let the world know. And so what does Joey do? He says, <whistles> say aww. She turns around, and to my surprise, it is not Zelly. It is not my wife, or girlfriend at the time. In that moment, I wanted God to come back for his people and just take me. I'll go first. Just take me right now. I'm ready to go. And it wasn't even my wife, my girlfriend. I apologized so much. I was trying to explain it. I showed her a picture of Zelly. Like, I was like, look at the hair. And you can't always trust what you see. And those moments though, I think one of the things that kept him going back and forth was the instruction that he was receiving. Hey, you know what? My leader, Elijah, had said, hey, he heard sound. So you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to, to, to hold on to faith. I'm gonna choose to hold on to hope. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 10, verse 17 that says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. You've gotta, you've gotta pay attention to what you feed your spirits. You've got to pay attention to the voices that are speaking into your life. You've got to pay attention to, to the songs. You've got to pay attention to, to the, the people around you, to the influences, because, because if not, it'll come, to, it'll come to a place to where what you see sometimes will not look like what, what, what you, you, you were promised you were going to see. And in those moments, all you can hold on to is remembering the promise that God gave you. What do you do when you don't see the progress you don't stop at six. I think another reason why sometimes we, we throw in the towel a little bit too early is because the instructions remain permanent. Or another way to say it, the instructions remain the same. Every time the servant was sent back up the mountain, they stayed the same instructions. All the Bible says is go back. Go back. And how many of us are so fixed on something new, on hearing a new word, Hearing a new phrase, hearing, hearing something. I want to do something different, God. I, 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 want, I want something else. I want something different I've never had before. But what do you do when the, when the instructions remain the same? I think sometimes if we're not careful, we're so focused on the instructions and the outcome that we overlook the obedience that God is trying to develop in our lives. Here, here, here's a life lesson for us. Obedience is your responsibility. Outcome is his. It doesn't matter how many times he tells you, go back. It doesn't matter how many times he says, hey, forgive again. It doesn't matter how many times he says, hey, serve again and, and do this again. And, and hey, I'm not going to change the instructions. You keep doing it. Maybe he's not trying to do something new in your circumstance. Maybe he's trying to do something new in your heart. Yeah, that's so good. That's so and he's trying to develop that muscle of obedience. So many of us are so fixed on, I want a new word. Well, what happened to the last one? You haven't, even, you haven't even done the last one, right? And, and, and we want the next one, but 
what, what is God trying to do in our lives? The obedience he's trying to develop. Again, we got to walk until it works. Walk until it works. I think the third and final thing of why sometimes we throw in the towel a little bit too early. Again, don't stop at six. If, if you're feeling this, don't stop at six. I think sometimes the reasons why we do stop is because it's not happening at our desired pace. It's not happening fast enough. We love microwaves. We love fast vehicles. We love 1.5 speed. We love Amazon Prime. Come on, somebody, right? You better believe it. When I, was, when I ordered my battery, I was following, I was tracking that guy. I was like, I know where you are. I know where your truck is. I knew how many stops away he was. I almost went and met him somewhere. I'm like, you're too far, bro. Like, I need this now. Seriously. We don't like to wait. But what happens when God doesn't tell us how long it's going to take? Hey, just go back up the mountain was the instructions. But I love how when you study scripture, the number six in scripture, it actually means represents man. If you notice, if you know the story of creation, man was was created on the sixth day. It means man and, and weakness. But seven in the Bible means completion or perfection. It's the number of God. How long is this going to take, God? It's going to happen on my time. It's going to happen on number seven. Because anything outside of seven would not be God. I'm not trying to tell you like, like, this is not like me telling you, hey, just wait seven more days, okay? I'm just speaking symbolically, all right? It's going to happen on God's time. And oh, man, we don't like that a lot of times. Even, even for the natural things, even when I'm reading a book, like I will oftentimes hold the pages of that remaining chapter only to encourage myself of how much more I have to read because I can't read the whole book in one sitting, but I can read the next chapter. And I will do that to encourage, because I want to know how fast am I going to get here? Like, how much more do I have to go? Wouldn't it be amazing if God just told you, like, hey, you just have to wait three more months for your answer? It would be easier for you and I to wait. Hey, you just have to wait two more years, and, and your man's going to walk through that door. You know, like, like you just have to wait, and that promotion, it, it, it's, coming, it's coming to you in three more hours. Like, if you knew how long it was, like, it would be so much easier but at the same time, it wouldn't require any faith. When is that going to happen, God? How much longer am I going to have to wait? I don't personally know time-wise, but I do know that it'll happen on God's time. It'll happen when he's ready. It'll happen when it's supposed to happen. You just got to keep doing the instructions of going back, going back, going back. If we're not careful, we will stop at six. And imagine if the servant would have allowed discouragement to say, you know what, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Imagine if Elijah would have got discouraged saying, you know what, did I really hear right? Did I really hear what I think I heard? Don't stop at six. I remember it was, I was around the age of nine years old. There was one particular day from school my dad picked up my brother and I, he told us the first thing in the car, he told us, hey, I have a surprise for you. Caught us off guard, I guess as a surprise would, right? Because it wasn't our birthdays and it wasn't Christmas. No other holiday was really happening. 
Remember when we got home and in our driveway, what we saw absolutely like just like it, it shocked us because we had wanted this for a really, really long time. And, you know, we, we were asking for it. We we're trying to save up, but we didn't actually think it was actually going to happen. All of a sudden in our driveway, we have a new go-kart. Look, something kind of like this. It was new, but it was new to us. It was, it was old. It was previously used, right? But it was new to us. This is our vehicle. My brother and I were clapping, cheering, screaming. We we're like, we're going to have so much fun in this thing. But as we got closer to this go-kart, we noticed that it was missing something very vital. It was missing an engine. Like, well, no wonder my dad got it for so cheap. I'm like, dad, how exactly are we supposed to use this thing? Like, we're not like really like in a hilly place. Like, everything's kind of flat and we're kind of too small to kind of push each other around. He's like, I have an idea. He goes to the garage and pulls out a huge thick rope. And I'm like, dad, you're really gonna do that? Like, you're really gonna pull us around like for hours and hours because you love us so much? He said, no. He tied it to the front of the go-kart and in the other end, he tied to the back of our car. I am not making this up. We had a lot of fun, but now that I think about it, I'm like, bro, we could have died. Nobody called the cops. We're good. We survived. No bones were broken. That was the beginning, I'm proud to say, the, the beginning and the end of my racing career. We would go in circles, and I'm like, nah, I don't think this is for me. This is not the life God has for me. But I, you know, it did speak some interest in just racing for a little bit, just kind of watching and, and then heard about NASCAR and I don't know if there's any NASCAR fans necessarily in here, but um, I don't know about, I don't know if you know this, but NASCAR can preach. I was talking to Martin and this past week, and we were talking about uh, cars. He knows a lot more about cars and racing than I do, but in preparation for this moment, I'm like, hey, I have a couple of questions that uh, I would definitely want to just bounce off of you. And some of the stuff he was saying was like preaching. Like one of the things he told me was like, you know, the last lap of, 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 of any race and races could be from like 70 laps to like 500 laps you're just going 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 but the last lap of any race is oftentimes where there's probably more crashes or or the opposition like ramps up even more because you're almost to the end and, and you're closer to the finish line and you're about to be done you're about to win and so but everybody wants to win right and so everybody's trying to cut off everybody and everybody's trying to strategies and the you know different people who are talking in the headsets trying to give them instructions on on how to win but opposition the opposition opposition wasn't there before but now it's there because they're almost at the end and i wonder here if today you and i we could get a perspective change because maybe you and I, we've been facing some opposition. But what if the opposition that you and I have been facing isn't an indication that we're headed in the wrong direction or that God is not with us, but what if the opposition that you and I are facing is, is, is an indication that, hey, we're almost going to win. Hey, we're almost done. The promise is almost there. The race is almost over. It would change your perspective knowing that the opposition ramps up at the very end. That'll preach. Something else will preach. I, I started looking up different positions and roles of the crew 
And there is a particular role called the spotter. I'm going to read this to you. A spotter in auto racing is a trained team member whose job is to relay information to their driver, keeping them alert of what is occurring on the track. They are typically positioned higher atop of one of the grandstands or other support buildings. To see the entire track, spotters keep in constant co contact with their drivers via two-way uh, radio communication. Spotters are considered the driver's eyes. I read that and I'm like, that'll preach. We have this, we have this uh, area above here, above all, all the audience, above everything, all the boxes where the, all those people up there, a lot of them are spotters. And their only job is to, over here, we have one spot in particular, their only job is to, to look at the racetrack and stay in communication with their driver and tell them, hey, slow down, there's an accident ahead. Hey, be careful, there's a curve coming up ahead. Hey, this guy's on your tail, or girl, right? Like, hey, be careful. Hey, you have a couple more, you have a couple more laps, or, or hey, you know what, they just waved a, a certain flag, or whatever the case might be. And I said, man, it reminds me a lot about God. I think God, they're spotters, but I think God is the ultimate spotter. Because God legit took our spot on the cross when it should have been you and me. And he said, no, I'm going to take your pain. I'm going to take your illness. I'm going to take your sin. I'm going to take everything you've ever done. And I'll take your place on that cross. And today he is in heaven and he is looking down and he is spotting us out. And there's a two-way communication called prayer that we get to talk to him and he gets to talk to us and he's guiding us and he's telling us, hey, be careful with him, be careful with her, be careful with that job, or hey, speed up, or hey, I want you to do this, or hey, I think this is your, this is your next step. And God is the ultimate spotter. And I said, man, that'll preach. But I think the thing that I really, really wanna share with you are about the flags. In racing, they have different flags and they wave the flags at different times in the, in the race because every flag means something different. Everybody likes the, the checkered flag and that's the black and white one and that's, that's, the, one that you, that's the one that they wave when, when you're done. But I'm like, man, I know God, at least for myself and probably for some people in this room, I don't feel like we're there yet. Like, I don't think, I still have some promises that, uh, that, are, that haven't come to pass. There's, there's some areas in my life that I'm like, man, God, how much longer? And so I don't know if I can really wave a, I don't, I don't know if I can wave a checkered flag because we're, we're not done yet, but there's another flag. Can I get my flag? This flag is a white flag. And they will wave a white flag, not at the beginning, not at the end, they will wave this flag on the last lap of the race. And when they see, when drivers see this flag, they understand, they know, hey, I am almost done. Hey, I am almost there. I just gotta go a little bit further. I just gotta do it just one more time. And I felt God tell me, hey, Joey, I need you to order a flag from Amazon and, and, and track it. I don't like to wait. 
and then get on stage and just begin to wave a white flag because there's probably some people watching online right now or some people in this space right now who've been asking God, hey God, how much longer am I gonna have to go through this? Hey God, when am I gonna get my, my promise? Hey, when, when is my family's turn to happen? Hey, when am I gonna get that promotion? When am I gonna get that healing? And I think God wants me to let you know today, hey, don't stop at six. 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 Put it in the chat. Don't stop at six. You're almost done. You're almost there. But don't throw in the towel quite yet. Don't stop at six. Whatever you've been believing God for, whatever's still on your prayer list, whatever, whatever, whatever you have before the Lord, don't stop at six. Philippians chapter one, verse six. The Bible says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, on the count of three, just say your name out loud. One, two, three. He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Our spotter is also a finisher. There's not something that he doesn't, he doesn't finish. If he started it, he will make it come to pass probably have received a word. I'm going to invite you to stand if you're not standing already and you've received promises, you have goals, you have a dream, you're, we're going to go into the cloud. There might be moments when maybe you want to throw in the towel and what I've come to let you know is, hey, don't stop at six. Go back. Do it one more time. It's almost, almost there. With every eye closed and head bowed down at this time, I want to give somebody an opportunity in this place who's felt like giving up, who's trying to do life and try to figure it out on their own. And maybe it's been a while since you've made this prayer. Maybe you've simply never made the prayer to, to begin a relationship with Jesus. But today you want, you want the ultimate spotter. You want him to be the one to guide and to lead and to help you. On the count of three, I'm going to invite you to lift up your hand all over this place as a sign saying, God, here's my life. One, two, three. Lift it up right now, right there, wherever you're at. I see your hands. I see your hands. I'm gonna invite you to put your hands down. I'm gonna invite everybody, everybody within the sound of my voice to repeat after me and say, Dear Jesus, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word that comes to encourage us. I know that I'm not perfect, but you are. Today, I accept it to my life. And I declare that I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's get We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.